I've been reading a book, and I really recommend, it's a great book to read, um, if you want to think higher, uh, by Win- Bill Winston, talking about um, kings and priests. And he starts in the first bit talking about dreams, and it really got me thinking about that, and I started looking into to dreamers and actually put out a couple of old sermons where I talked about dreams because I had all my research on it, so it was easy to go through, and I was reading through that. And, and I wanted to, to not just talk about dreams, but I want us to dream this morning. So you're allowed to close your eyes in today's sermon and dream. And everyone goes, ah, and goes to sleep. But dreams are powerful because if you can't see something, I don't mean going to sleep and having a dream. I mean having a dream, having a vision, having a purpose, having, having a, this is what I'd love to see in my life. This is what God's put inside me. Because all through the Bible, God tells us from the very start all the way through, he says that he's given us dreams and visions. And he keeps repeating himself. And I mean, let's go to Genesis chapter 15. And this is God talking with Abram before he becomes Abraham. And when he names him Abraham, he's sowing the dream because Abraham means father of many. Yeah? He's speaking the dream. Genesis 15, verse 1. Are we there? Say, God is good when you got the verse. All the time. Okay, Don Mullen fans. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. How did it come? Oh, visions are powerful, yeah? Saying, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Don't you love this? He doesn't come and say, I'm your discipline and I'm your, I'm your order and I'm your, you shall do this. He says, I'm your shield. In other words, I'm your protector. I rebuke the devourer for your behalf. And your exceedingly great reward. He's not just his reward. He's not just his great reward. He's his exceedingly great reward. God's big. And he has a big dream for you. But Abraham says, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing as I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram's brave. He understands that God is good. He's followed God out in the middle of nowhere. And God sums and meets with him, and Abraham immediately says, hey, there's a deal here, God. We've got a problem. Because the biggest thing in my life is I don't have an heir. I don't have a child. You know what's so great about God is you can go to God. See, there's this, this mentality that you have to be all in the right place and everything great and, and put aside our desires and our wants and all these things and, oh, God, whatever you want, what I want is not important. And God goes, no, I put inside you your desires and your wants. I made you to have desires. And we might think, oh, they're not very spiritual. If God put them there, they're spiritual. If God made you to make clothes, if he made you to create cars or build computers or whatever it is, and we look at these things and we think, 
oh, that's just secular work. It's not spiritual. No, no, that's how God made you. He put the desires within you. It's one of the highest spiritual things you can do because you're fulfilling the purpose of God. And see, he made you to fulfill your purpose so that you can glorify him. He made you for work. Did you know that? Not toil. Toil is when it's hard going. It's a slog. It drains everything out of you. He didn't make you for toil, but he didn't make you for work. He made you to do things. Because you see, when you do things, you release creativity. And when you release creativity, you release God. Does that make sense? He made you for a purpose. And so you can bring your purpose to God. Think on that. Because it's sort of like bouncing. I felt it bounce. Like, poof. You know, like a meteor coming to earth and hits the other atmosphere and goes, poof. <laughs> you can bring your purpose and your desires to God right now, just as you are. You can stir up the dream that's within you. You go, oh, I had a dream once, I let it go. You know what? It's still in there. Everything you need is still within you because you have God within you. Yeah? Yeah. So think about it. The problem is we don't stir it up. We let them lie dormant. It's like when you ever mix a drink together, you know. I mean, I, I like my coffee, okay. And sometimes in summer it's good to have a nice coffee, right? But you know what? If you... If you make a coffee and you let it sit, the coffee will sit to the bottom. Do you know that? So you stir it up. I remember I used to, when I played squash and I was a teenager and um, I used to play against a friend of mine and I would always grab a drink afterwards. And so I used to always like uh, a master's iced coffee or a chocolate. It used to be a chocolate milk then. Always liked the chocolate milk after a game of squash because it's just good. The ideal thing to drink after squash. Not really, but it was just what I always felt like after a game of squash. So I used to get a small chocolate milk and sometimes I'd forget to shake it. And once you've opened it, it's too late to shake it because it was in a carton and if you shook it, it was going to go everywhere. I discovered that once. <laughs> I can hold the whole hold. It's all right. I can hold it closed. It's all right. No, I can't. I've let it go. But if I didn't shake it, and a number of times I opened it, and I went, oh, I forgot to shake it, because it wouldn't mix through. The good stuff would all sit on the bottom. And so the drink was never as good as it could be. We're like that carton. The good stuff is all still in there. It's still sitting there, but sometimes you've got to shake it. Sometimes you've got to stir it up. That's why Paul writes and he says, stir up the gifts that are within you. What he's saying is, it's in there. Everything you have to achieve your dreams and your desires. And the problem is we look at it and we think, they're too far out there. I can't do them. If you can see them, you can have them. If you can see it, you can actually have it. But you've got to stir it up. And you've got to do the work. 
See, we sort of got this mentality that came in that says, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. And we've talked about that. God's will doesn't always happen. Because we know it was never his will for Adam and Eve to sin. But it happened, didn't it? So that tells us that God's will doesn't always happen. You know what? He put the dream and desire in you so that you can make it happen. Not so he can make it happen. So you can make it happen in his strength. But the first thing is you've got to allow yourself to dream. You've got to allow that vision to come up and you've got to stir it up. How do you stir it up? It's really easy. You get the word of God. That's what Abraham did. Verse 3, Abraham said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, no one, no one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one should not be your heir, but one who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. God gave him a word. God gave him a promise. Abram could take that. I am going to have an heir, even though everything in his body says you can't. And we know that he had Isaac. When Abram was 99 years old, how many 99-year-old dads do you know out there? Not many. Sarah was about in her mid-70s. How many mid-70s mums do you know out there? And we all go, Ugh. You see, if you have a child and you're mid-70s as a woman, society says, oh, it's wrong, doesn't it? This is the great thing about God is his counterculture. He doesn't follow the trend. He doesn't go with what everyone says is good. In fact, I think he gets upset at what is good. And I've really sensed lately, and slightly off topic, but I sense lately and I really sensed it this morning that, that God was saying he's going to shake his church because he doesn't like where it's at. And when he shakes it, I get the sense that a lot of what is currently there, he's going to shake off. Because there's a move, a powerful move of God coming. It's like a wave that's building. It's like a tsunami. And, and first off, I think he has to suck out a lot of the stuff that's in there before he can bring that wave of power and blessing that he wants to pour out, not just on his church, but on the whole earth. But he's got to suck off and break off and shake off a lot of the old. Because he's counterculture. He goes against the flow. And that's how he wants us to be, to be against the flow and walking our dream. You see, most people don't see their dreams fulfilled because they try and walk like everybody else walks. You know what? If you do what everyone else is doing, you're going to end up the same as everybody else. Do you know that? But when you do something different, when you step out into your dream and say, I'm going to do this, it's not necessarily going to be easy. It's going to be work. It's going to have difficult times. But this is what separates great people apart from everybody else is they go, I don't care. I'm going to break this off and I'm going to do it because it's the dream that God has inside me. And if nobody else understands, it doesn't matter. 
And that's what Abram's doing. It's what God's doing. I love this, verse 5. And then God brought him outside and said, Look now towards heaven and count the stars if you can number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. God planted a vision. He planted a dream within Abram. He says, look. He takes him in another section and he says, hey, look at all the sand. They're your descendants. If you can count the sand. So by day and by night, Abram had a vision. By day, he'd look at the sand around him and go, I'm going to have kids more numerous than the sand. And at night, when it's too dark to see all those grains of sand, he could look to the sky and see the billions and billions of stars. So day and night, Abram had a vision before him. That's what God wants to release within you. You know, when you were born, you were born with a vision and a dream. And as you grew up, there was a vision and a dream. And we let those visions and dreams die and squash down. But God has a vision and a dream for you because that's how he works. And someone said to me, well, I'm not Abram. You know what? You're not Noah. You're not Joseph. You're not Moses. You're not Joshua. You're not David. You're not Mary. You're not Paul. But every one of those had a dream too. Noah had a dream. He had a dream of an ark floating on the water when it had never rained, when there'd never, ever been a flood. And it took him nearly a 100 years to build the jolly thing. That's a long time to hold a dream, yeah? Joseph had a dream. He had a dream that one day he would be a ruler. God put it in him that he was made to be a leader. And he got thrown into a pit. Not a lot of dreams down in the pits. Then he got sold as a slave. How many slaves do you know that have a dream? Then he got thrown in prison, falsely accused. But he still held his dream. For 14 years, he held his dream while in the well, while being sold to slave traders, while being a slave in pot of his house, while being in prison, he held his dream. But you know what? Even there, down in prison, God gave him the right connections. How many times do you hear it? I can't do it. I haven't got the right connections. I don't know the right people. And yet in prison, God connected Joseph with the right person to make him prime minister. And we do that. We think, you know, I hear all the time, I don't know the right people. I can't get the right job or the right context or the right... That's wrong speaking. You've got to hold on to your vision. That's what Joseph did. Because when he served in Potiphar's house, he served like he was serving God. And he rose to the top. Then he gets thrown in prison and wrongly accused. But even in prison, he serves in prison like he is serving God. And suddenly, he's running the whole section of the prison. He was faithful where he was at. He held on to the dream and he let it rise up wherever he was. And he ruled wherever he was because he followed his dream. And there in prison, in the lowest place he could be, God connects him 
with the cupbearer to the king. And he stays faithful when he's forgotten. He stays faithful. And he is connected suddenly to Pharaoh and he's the prime minister of the land. You see, you've got to stir the dream up wherever you are. If it's not stirred up where you are, if you're not doing whatever you can where you are to stir up your dream, it's never going to happen. You'll never fulfill your purpose. You'll always be wanting and longing for the thing that's out there. You'll always be influenced by what people around you say you should be and say you should do. But it's got to be your dream. It's got to be the dream that God put inside you. The vision he released in you because others won't understand because it's not their dream and their vision and they're too scared to shake their box and stir it up. But it's time to shake the carton and mix up the stuff that's sitting down low. You know, Joshua had a dream. It was impossible. God gave him a promise. And he had to do some really weird stuff. You know, Joshua didn't know about a thing called cadence way back then. You know what cadence is? Cadence is like a beat. All right? When, when they built the, um, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and they're about to open it up to the public and they said, the newspapers reported they expected a million people to walk across the bridge. And now you'd think the architect of the bridge would be going, fantastic, all these people out there. Actually, the architect and the engineer of the bridge freaked out. Because they worked out that there'd be marching bands going across and this stuff. And there's a thing called cadence where if everybody steps or claps at the same time, it's called cadence. And what that does is it creates its own force. And they said, they worked out that if a million people crossing the Golden Gate Bridge at the same time all started stepping at the same time, it would create a force that would actually cause the bridge to crumble. So they put things in place to stop everybody doing that. Because they were afraid that it would destroy this magnificent structure. And I sort of suspect that's what happened with the Israelites, that when they marched around the walls all in time, they created this thing called cadence, which weakened the walls. And so when they all shouted, the walls fell down. You see, God uses natural things sometimes to do supernatural things. Joshua didn't know that. He wasn't an engineer. But he was obedient to what God did. And God used them in their obedience to bring down the wall and do a supernatural event. You see, when God speaks to you and you have that dream and that dream rises up, you've got to go back to him with your dream. That's what Joshua did. He came face to face and said, how do I do this? He sought God. God, he was off there by himself with God, walking with him. And God sends an angel and says, here's what you need to do. Here's your strategy for taking the the city. Walk around it every day. And then the last day, walk around seven times and then shout and blow your trumpets. And the walls fell down and they're able to take the city. 
Abraham did the same thing. He's with God and God meets with him and he brings his vision to God. You see, when you've got that dream in you and you start to stir it, the first thing you're going to do is is take it to God and say, God, what do I do? And wait before him for a strategy. And when he gives you something to do, go and do it. Even if it's ridiculous. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it's counterculture. Even if other people don't understand. You go and do what God says to do. Because when you do what God says to do, he's already set things up back there. He's already worked in the background. The angels are doing their stuff, waiting for you to take the step. Because your stepping out is your faith in action. It's you doing the work he's called you to do, and he brings it about. It doesn't mean it's all going to be smooth. Joshua still had to fight the battle. They still had to go and take the ground. You see, we sit back and expect God to do it. And God says, I'm doing it. But you're not doing your bit that activates it. Because when you do, you step into the supernatural. You step into your dream. And see, Joshua took that first city, but there was another city to take after that, another battle after that, another battle after that. If you want to do your dream, it's not going to be just one battle. It's going to be step after step after step after step. And then one day you fulfill your dream and realize there's a bigger dream on the other side. There's more work to do. There's more battles to fight. And we look at it and we go, oh... And we get tired. If you're tired about your dream, is it really your dream? Ask yourself that. If your dream makes you tired, is it really your dream? See, because when you're doing what God made you to do, you actually get energized. There's times you need to rest. You need to find balance. You need to rest. I'm not saying be silly about it. Go, you know, seven days a week. No, no. God put the Sabbath there for a reason. You've got to work out how your Sabbath works. You know, don't get religious about it's got to be on a Sunday. Your Sabbath might be on a Tuesday. Your Sabbath may be a couple of half days. All right? That's okay. The important thing is that you find time every week where you rest. You have that time out with God. You refresh. But your dream should energize you. I know a few years ago I was working for um, a, a company. It doesn't matter who it was. And I'd, I'd work from nine till three because that's what they, it was a, like a, that was how it worked. And I'd do that five days a week. And you know what? I'd come out after that at three o'clock. And even though it wasn't long hours, I'd actually be tired. Because it was just doing this and doing that and organizing this you know i used to handle their fleet vehicles and i handled their property for them and some of their other bits there was a lot of admin and 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 it just didn't energize me and i could do that and sometimes i'd go longer days and things like that but whenever i did the job i'd always come out and i'd be tired i remember in the middle of that i was actually teaching at a bible college on i think it was a tuesday night or something or thursday night thursday night i think it was and i can remember i'd rock up at the the bible college to teach for a couple of hours and 
you know, I had to get a train to get up there and it was like, you know, it wasn't close, it wasn't easy and I had to walk this distance. And But I'd get in there. But you know what? After two hours of teaching in that Bible college, I would be absolutely pumped and energised. And like the two hours would be over and I'd go, oh man, my time's up, I've got more. And this was after a long day, sometimes highly stressful day. And it's like, how does that work? How can I be there half past nine, ten o'clock at night going, give me more, give me more, give me someone else to teach? Because I was doing what I was made to do. Whereas during the day I wasn't. I was just existing. That's the difference. It doesn't mean it's not work. It doesn't take effort. It doesn't take time. It did. It took sacrifice. There was a cost involved. It was work. But it was work that energised me and I wanted more of it. Whereas the other stuff was me just doing, existing. That's what your dream should do. It should leave you satisfied but wanting more. If you don't feel like that in what you do, look at what you do. I'm not saying go out, quit your job and whatever you're doing and throw everything away. What I'm saying is go back to your dream. Go back and stir up what God put in there. If you don't know what it is, then go and sit in his presence and let that dream stir up. And then say, God, what can I do? How do I step into my dream? Show me a plan. You know, we're told in God's word to write the vision and make it plain so that you can read it and run. Write down your dream. Write down your vision. Put a picture on the wall. And if you don't know what your dream is, here's a a tip. If you don't know what your dream is, or you don't know how to stir it up, or you don't know what's in there, find somebody else's dream and stir that up. You know, I, I look at my beautiful wife and I look at her regularly because she's beautiful, but you know. <laughs> but Dale's got this artistic talent. You know, she paints really well, she draws really well. And sometimes it needs stirring up, right? So I've decided that I'm going to stir it up. All right? So I sow into her vision and I put a seed into my dreams. So my latest thing is while we're in England, you know, my, my aim was always because when we first met and Dale would do bits of drawing and stuff, one of her favourite pieces was a piece by Monet in the Jap- Japanese garden. Yeah. So my dream was always for her to see that. So while we're in London, we went to the art gallery and she got to see the picture, which was a really huge deal, right? And so we picked up a, um, I picked up a copy of it you know, on a poster and was going to bring it back and it sort of suffered a bit of a mishap on the way. There's another story, but don't worry about that. Anyway, I went to frame it recently and um, not only did I manage to damage the frame, but the picture was ripped because it didn't something. So you can sit there and go, oh, well, that's that. I didn't. I actually contacted the National Gallery. I got them to send me another one. 
I got the size, I contacted a framer and I got a new frame and it now hangs on our bedroom wall. So that when Dale wakes up in the morning, I want to release that inspiration and that dream within her. That's me sowing into her dream. Now that may not be a big deal for you, but for me it is. Because it's our dream. It's part of who we are. So if you're sitting there going, I don't know what my dream is, find somebody else's dream and serve that. Give in to that until it releases yours. Because sometimes we've forgotten how to dream. We don't know how to shake the carton. Or we've already opened the carton and we're afraid to shake it because we don't want to spill all over us. And sometimes we're afraid of our dream sometimes. And even if you do start your dream, I would say to you, still sow into somebody else's dream. It's a principle that as you sow, you release harvest into your life. You release your own dream. God made you for a purpose. Don't let the purpose go. Don't let life beat it out of you. Shake your carton. Shake it up. Stir up the gift, the dream, the purpose within you. Let's all close our eyes. I want to really encourage you right now to take a few minutes as we sit before God and ask him to show you your dream and your vision. Ask him to stir it back up within you. And if you know your dream and vision, ask him to show you what you can do to step into it. Don't look at your dream and your vision. Don't look what you think other people think about you, what they think it should be for you. What other people have said, this is what yours is, this is what you should be doing. That's their stuff. You have a dream and a vision that God has for you. Don't be afraid of it. It's where you'll find fulfillment. It's where you'll find joy. It's where you'll find happiness. You'll be able to do it all day long and it won't exhaust you, it won't tire you, it'll energize you. Just go to God. Just say to him now. If you feel like he's far away, say, God, show me my dream. Show me my vision. And take a few minutes to dream. I feel like God's stirring up dreams, but some of you are going, how can I, how can I? And you're looking at your past. You're going, I can't, I can't. It's, oh, but how does that, how does that happen? How can I step into it? How can I do that? And God gave me this illustration of a rose bush. He said, can you imagine the rose bush just before spring starts? It might, because often when we think like that, we're looking at ourselves through the past. And it would look at the past, if it was standing there just before spring, it would say, you know what, here's my past the past few months. I've been cut back to nothing. Because when you print your own bush, you cut it right back. So it's going, I've been cut back to nothing. I've been sitting out here in the freezing cold, dumped on all the time with this water. 
for absolutely no purpose. And then to top it all off, someone threw some poo at me. (laughs) So I'm sitting here soaking wet in the poo, looking like a stick. That's what it'd be like, wouldn't it? So how can I become anything? And yet what happens when it's being cut back, covered in poo and water? Is it starts to blossom, doesn't it? It's only because it's cut back. It's only because it's got manure on it. It's only because it's got a soaking in water that it starts to bear its purpose and its destiny. Where you've been is not where you're going. What you see is not who you are. It's the dream in front of you that God has made you to be. So take all the stuff that's happened before and use it like manure to grow stronger. And where you've been cut, it's just God pruning off the stuff, getting you ready. Where you feel like you've been dumped on, use it like water to grow, to be stronger, to be the blossom that God made you to be. We're going to take communion now. Because one of the things that God did with Abraham was he established a covenant. And it was a blood covenant. And that covenant meant that God could not break his promise to Abraham. He says, I'm making a covenant with you right now that if you will make me your God, I will help you to fulfill the dream that you have inside you. I will make you mine. And I will establish this covenant that it cannot be broken. Only you can stop your dream. That's the covenant God has with you. Because he won't stop it. He made you to fulfill your dream. That's his covenant with you. So as you take communion today, take it as that covenant. That God is saying to you, your dream is in your hands. I will do everything I can to fulfill it. You just have to do your bit and keep dreaming and keep walking the path. As you take that bread, take in Jesus, take on that covenant afresh. Make the commitment to be a dreamer, to fulfill your dream. The blood was shed for Jesus. So the blood was shed by Jesus for us. It's his covenant. That old stuff is washed away. It's time to blossom. It's time to shine. It's time to be who God made you to be. As you drink the cup, drink in the life, drink in the promise, drink in the covenant with God, drink in Jesus. Yeah, sometimes you get a cup and you get a cordial, all the stuff sitting in the bottom. You pour in the water and it mixes the cordial. 
Drink in Jesus. Let him mix up the stuff that's sitting down the bottom to fulfill your dream. I think Hannah's got the half stuff. Hannah's got the port. Dale has the non-L. Now we get a chance to give for those who like to do it by cash. And as you give, give with faith. Give as a step not just of obedience but of covenant with God, of agreement with him. As you give, give as a seed towards the dream that God has in you. Sow it as faith. Let the promise rise up. Father, we want to thank you that you are such a loving God. Father, I pray continued release of visions and dreams. I pray clarity on every person here in Jesus' name, that we will see clearly. Lord, like Abraham saw the stars, he saw the sand, that we will see clearly the dreams and the visions that you place within us. Teach us how to stir them up. Help us to ever keep you before us that we may shine fulfilling your purpose for our lives. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.